Hey everybody, welcome to Inside the Album with Don and Tommy. I'm Tommy's co-host, Donnie Awesome. <laughs> and I'm Don's second-hand man. Thank you, Tommy Hilkin. Nobody's in charge here. Nobody. It's just That's mayhem. We wouldn't be together if somebody was in charge. Right, exactly. That's a good point. This is true. Uh, so welcome everybody Uh, help us out subscribe like click the buttons do the things tell your grandma let them know all about our podcast inside the album it's where we pick an album and we talk about the songs and the writing of the album and all the stories that were about the recording of these great uh, classic albums and today we're going to do an awesome record from one of our favorite bands guys in our 60s love this band (laughs) (laughs) yes so that's and, why you have to tell your grandmother and your grandfather yes, about yeah, the yeah. So today we're going with the Rolling Stones, uh, Some Girls, which is one of my all-time favorites. Just uh, a great, great record. Um, but let's, beauty. yeah, definitely. And so tell us, Tommy. We we work with a charity, and tell us all about music for Mark. Yes, anyone that can help us out. We're we're looking to bring music to the world. It's been our life. For, you know, for Don and I, we love music, everything about it. But we want to bring musical instruments to kids in the world who just can't get their hands on them. Everybody should have the opportunity to play music and be in music and be part of music. You know, it, it's been our lives. We love everything about it. So musicformark.com, check it out. If you can donate a musical instrument to us, we want to distribute them to the schools or maybe a kid who can't get his hand on a guitar. Anything's accepted. Harmonicas, as long as they're brand new. <laughs> those kind of <laughs> those kind. Of, we don't need anybody spit. But yeah, musicformark.com. Um, and uh, we'd appreciate anything you could do for us. Yeah, definitely check it out. Musicformark.com. Mm-hmm. All right. So we are here to talk <laughs> about the Rolling Stones album, Some Girls. Yeah. Just a, an amazing, to me, this is like, this is peak Rolling Stones at their sleaziest, right? It's what year is it? It's 1978. So... You know, Times Square is full of porno theaters, and it's just mayhem in New York and everywhere and around the world. That things are kind sure. of gritty, right? Um, so it's it's an amazing album. And the Stones were kind of on a a downswing right before this. They had a couple albums that really weren't super popular. So it's an interesting point in their career, and and um, you know, today they're still out there playing stadiums at Mick Jagger's what eighty now, 80, right on, yeah. on stage doing. You know, two or three hour shows, not all frequently, but they still do go out and do big sure. tours. And they, they have a new record coming out and the single uh, sounds really great. So it'll, it'll be fun to listen to. I can't wait to hear it. And yeah, this was, yeah. Like you said, this is 1978, man. Big time in my life. You know, I just got out of high school, just turned 18. Nice. Just, uh, yeah. Woo. <laughs> a, lot, <laughs> a lot going on. A lot of memories with this album. Right. So let's run through the band. I'm sure pretty much everybody knows the Stones. The, you know, anybody who listens to uh, a classic rock is, is probably familiar with the band. It's Mick Jagger, lead vocals. He also plays guitar and piano on this record. Mm-hmm. Uh, Keith Richards, uh, guitar player, also plays bass on a couple tracks on this album, some piano. And he also sings lead on one track. 
Ronnie Wood is the other guitar player backing vocals, and he also plays pedal steel, and he played bass on this. So a lot of different people playing bass on this album besides Bill Wyman. Yeah. Uh, and and at one point, uh, Ronnie Wood's credited for playing the bass drum. So, you know, that that's interesting as well. Wow. Um, and then Bill Wyman, the bass guitar player for the Stones, also did the work on the synthesizer on this record. And, you know, this is the seven, late 70s, you know, and, and synth was starting to really get popular. Uh, we've talked about it in the past with, I think, the Beatles at the, you know, uh, was it Abbey Road that we did with them where they were first using the synthesizer in 68. And this is 10 years later. And now we're coming into this zone in music where, you know, we start to get this techno, the um, uh, what do they call it? The uh, the new wave sound with a lot of synthesizers and kind of, you know, futuristic sounding music. So there's a lot of different influences in this record. Mm. Um, but also, and then the drummer is Charlie Watts, who just, you know, again, you can't say the guy is legendary, great, great drummer overall. He's, he's Charlie Watts. Yeah. He's, <laughs> he's rock and roll, baby. He's rock and roll. So this is, for the Stones, this is their 14th British album, and it's their 16th American album. And that's just studio albums, not counting live albums. They put out a bunch of live albums. Yeah. And there was actually Love You Live, which is maybe the, the most well-known Stones live album, came out right before this. Very good. So they started rehearsals for Some Girls in October 1977. They last... That lasted about a month, and then they went in and recorded in November of that same year. They took a break for Christmas and then started up again after the New Year uh, holiday and then finished up in around March of 1978. And the record was released in June, on June 8th of 1978. So at the time on the charts, there are, I guess, one album we've done here. The first Van Halen record had just come out. Mm. There was Parallel Lines by Blondie. So you're getting some yeah. of that, that punk, you know, uh, you know, Blondie was one of those punk bands back in the day. I mean, sure. you know, they were a little bit more poppy than most. Yep. But they were hanging around with the Ramones and television and all those bands in New York uh, back in the day. Sure. Um, we also had the uh, debut record from the Cars, which is again another kind of, you know, pop synth type of rock, but very very catchy, very good. We had uh, Darkness on the Edge of Town by Bruce Springsteen, and also Fifty Second Street by Billy Joel, which was an enormously popular and successful record, and really just kind of launched Billy Joel into the stratosphere. Yeah, great album. So it's pretty diverse, and there was a lot of disco, you know? So it was a lot of disco stuff was out there, and people were hanging out in the disco. Studio 54 was was where, you know, Mick Jagger was hanging out a lot, and you, you hear that influence also on this record. So it's this is an interesting record to me because it's influenced by disco and punk, and, you know, there's also a little bit of country on here. So this record for the Stones is... is Kind of all over the place, but I love it. Uh, it's a great album. When you think about it, Studio 54 was booming, right? Uh, Mick was a big nightclub guy. Yeah. So you know, that was his life. I don't think, I think you never really saw them out together. Like it was usually just Mick, you know, out at the clubs. 
Yeah, it doesn't seem like they really hung out a lot together. I mean, you know, it was Mick Jagger was hanging out with, I think, Andy Warhol at the time and, and a few Minnelli other. And all those yeah, 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 other celebrity types and not oh, really yeah. Keith. Oh, yeah. And I don't think Keith was that into the whole disco thing. And I think he was kind of a little against that kind of sound. But we'll get in. Keith Richards was having some real serious problems at this time. It legally and also with drugs, so you know we'll yeah. talk about that. But that's mentally, you know, this, physically, spiritually, yeah, pretty much every way possible, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, I, I get it. A lot of people were back then. Yeah, for sure. Well, he for wasn't sure. alone. Yeah. So, uh, some girls was ranked uh, number two hundred sixty nine on Rolling Stone's uh, list of the five hundred greatest albums of all time, and it sold over six million copies. Mm. So at the point of where we are with the band, this is like 1976. Like I said before, the Rolling Stones popularity was a little bit in decline. And the charts were being dominated, like we said, about by disco. And there were also newer bands like Aerosmith and Kiss. So they're just kind of coming into their own. Yep. You know, the younger young kids. Yep. And the Stones at this point are, you know, kind of elder statesmen, right? Mm. So they're in their 30s. And in the UK, the punk rock movement was a rising force that made most of the artists connected with the 60s seem obsolete. Wow. Right? Yeah. So, you know, you have that classic line in the Clash song where where uh, Joe Strummer talks about phony Beatlemania has bitten the dust. Yeah. You yeah. know, so this is kind of the attitude of, of that, that punk era is that, you know, everything before us sucked and, you know... Uh. <laughs> we're now you know now we're kind of the cool kids in town Beatlemania was on Broadway for years man yeah and it made a lot of money and so the Stones had also failed to produce a critically acclaimed album since 1972's Exile on Main Street so they're kind of it's kind of a turning point for this band and the band the Stones have had a couple of these so they they had this turning point and then later on, after Tattoo You in 81, I think mm. it was, that, that early 80s, they kind of had another point where they, they kind of broke up for a bit and then ended up kind of getting back together. So they kind of go through these ebbs and flows. And, and at this point, this is a big, uh, big ebb and a big flow for them in, in uh, their history. You know what I think about the Stones, and it's probably a good fit right here, is uh, you know Mick figured out the business end of it. You know what I mean? Uh, right. he, he knew what it meant to be a Rolling Stone and how to make money from it. So no matter what their struggles were, they knew staying together was going to make them a lot of dough. Mick was really the businessman of the group. Yeah. And I think you do, you know, because I think they, they, they're, you know, there was always friction, I think, between band members, yeah. especially when they get popular. And I think the same happens with Mick and Keith. But they... They always seem to find a way, and I think you're right. I think it is more Mick kind of pulling Keith back and saying, look, we got a good thing here. Let's yep. kind of try to keep this going. Sure. And they did, and they still are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're still out there, which is, is dude, crazy. Dude, who, would, who would have thunk? You dude, know? All, I, all you have to say is we're talking right now 78, right? Right. It's, 20, it's 2023 as we speak. Yeah. <laughs> they pulled it together. Yeah, that's a, a long period of time. Wow, man. So uh, we'll take a look at the album cover right here, and it's this elaborate die-cut design 
with and the covers on the sleeves were varying in different markets so you could get the album with these these color streaks that were different in different places um, but it shows the Rolling Stones faces alongside those of select female celebrities and they're they're inserted behind the this parody of a newspaper ad for wigs so it's interesting because they you know they kind of put lipstick on them and stuff and made them look like girls um, and I've always liked this album and I think it's, you know, I think it's interesting and creative, the, uh, the cover of this one. Now, the cover was amazing. I'm trying to think, I, I think they actually made it where you could slide the insert in and out and it would change the eyes and things and uh, it would change the faces and the holes. Yeah. Right. In the beginning. Yeah. yeah I'm trying to think back. Well, the when first they first, bought. the first one that came out had also had not only the Stones faces, but they had Lucille Ball, Farrah Fawcett, Farrah Liza Fawcett. Minnelli, yep. uh, Raquel Welch, uh, Marilyn Monroe, and and so they got sued. <laughs> so oh wow, yeah. So they redesigned it and removed all the celebrities, whether they had complained or not. And then they were the celebrity images were replaced with black and punk style garish couple cup uh, colors with the phrase oh, wow. "Pardon our experience" cover under reconstruction. <laughs> so Mick Jagger later apologized to Liza Minnelli when he encountered her at a party at the at Studio Fifty Four, like we were talking there about. There you go. So the interesting thing is the only celebrity whose face was not removed was ex Beatle George Harrison. Wow. So he's the one who remained on there as a celebrity. And I guess George, you know, they were, I guess, you know, they all knew each other. They were friends. Oh, at they this were point. friends. Sure. Yeah. So that was uh, pretty I interesting. Believe, I, I guess management of all those celebrities just stepped in. But I couldn't imagine you wouldn't want to be on the cover of a Rolling Stones album. You know what I mean? Yeah. You would think that's kind of cool, right? Yeah. You know. But, you know, the album also had other issues. So, you know, <laughs> so, some of the lyrics are, are pretty kind of misogynistic, kind of a little bit racial, or I don't want to say racist, but, um, you know, there there is that line in there, black girls don't want to, black girls just want to get fucked all night. I don't have that much jam. So that sent, <laughs> so that sent a lot of people into a tizzy. <laughs> yeah, and that's, so, that's a long time ago, too. Yeah. Yeah, you couldn't do this today, for sure. But uh, WBLS, which was a, a black station in New York City, basically played, you know, whatever was popular, um, you know, with black people. Um, they refused to play Miss You, which was a huge kind of pop hit, disco hit. Yeah. And they refused to play it because of that line. And so Armit, uh, Amit Ed Erdogan, the chairman of Atlantic Records, Atlantic, who yep. distributed the Rolling Stones in the U.S., said... When he first heard it, he told Mick, it's not going to go down well. And Mick assured him that it was a parody of the type of people who hold those attitudes. And, you know, Mick Jagger had great respect for for black people and black artists and everything. Sure. And, and, you know, he basically, uh, Erdogan said that Mick Jagger owed his whole musical career to black people because of their blues influence. No doubt. So, um as black-oriented radio stations began to boycott some girls, Jagger told Rolling Stone magazine, Atlantic Records tried to get us to drop it, but I refused. I've always been opposed to censorship of any kind, especially by conglomerates. I've always said, if you can't take a joke, it's too fucking bad. But 
<laughs> Nowadays, yeah. they change the lyrics, so they're not playing, you know, some of those some of those lyrics when they play this song live anymore. Well, you know, it's, it's interesting. I think it might have came around the same time too. You know, uh, Lou Reed wrote "Take a Walk on a Wild Side." You know, right? And, uh, you know, when you think about the lyrics in that too, it's just it's very interesting. You know, uh, yeah, you couldn't release it today, and you'd have to clean it up to even put it on the radio. Right, right. And, you know, people always say, you hear people say, oh, well, he's of this time and that's how they talked back yeah, then. Yeah. And, it, you know, it's not, I don't think that's an excuse for like racist behavior and right. things like that. Right. But I do kind of understand it because things were different. You know, it was not the same way. I don't think, I don't think it's good or acceptable, but times change and you know that's how and, you know and good that's how that they, goes. and good that they do and yeah you know definitely. when you think about it we often talk about it when we get to an album like this you know the key was to get your songs on the radio right you had to you know right it was you yeah if there gonna, was no radio play you were dead yeah and that was the answer to everything back then you know getting on NEW in new york here was huge yeah so the other issue was that i mentioned briefly was uh, Keith Richards is having a lot of legal troubles at this time. And so uh, Mick Jagger is generally regarded as the principal creative force behind some girls. He drew influences from disco and mm -hmm. the recording sessions were really productive. And it resulted in a lot of uh, numerous outtakes that they ended up using on subsequent al albums. So I know some of the outtakes from here were used on like Tattoo You and things like that. So, you know, they, they created a lot of good material at this time. Sure. And this is also the first album to really feature uh, Ronnie Wood as a full-time member. So he had contributed on a couple of tracks here and there on the prior two albums. It's only rock and roll and black and blue, which, and those are the two that really didn't do so great. Um, so it was the first time that they've had a stable lineup in place for several years. So a lot of people say that kind of helped them return to basics for the Rolling Stones. Not a lot of guest musicians, not a lot of crazy production. It's really kind of, you know, straight ahead, rock and roll, dance music, uh, country, whatever the, the, you know, the song calls for, but it wasn't <laughs> super complicated, right? Yeah, when we go through the songs, it's amazing how, you know, there's a wide variety of style in it. It's beautiful. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Great for the album. Stones, it's it's very wide-reaching in terms of style. Oh, yeah. So let's, let's dive right in here. I want to, I'm really, uh, I love this album just so much. And... You know, I used to, when I was in bands in high school and stuff and go to parties, we would play so many of these songs Ugh. because they were all so simple, you know? And a lot of them had the same chord progression, <laughs> so that made it even easier. <laughs> and, you know, again, we talk about a classic album, right? We were doing inside the album, not necessarily classic albums, but when you think about this album, this is one of those albums you could play straight through, and we often do. Oh, sure. You, you love to hit a whole album. I don't well, think there's a bad cut on it. Yeah, it's very tight. So it's 10 yep. tracks and every song is great. Yeah. There's no there's no duds. There's no. not a there's nothing you skip here. Yeah, it's and they're all fun. Yeah. All right, let's take a listen. The first track is Miss You. Wow.
So here, here's where you know, right off the bat, you're you're with that that disco bass, right? Oh, right there. It's, it's so awesome. I love that riff. The lyrics were seemingly inspired by Mick Jagger's deteriorating deteriorating relationship with his wife Bianca. Wow. So. Mix has claimed otherwise, saying Miss You is just an emotion. It's not really about a girl. To me, the feeling is longing is is what the song is about. The you know feeling that longing for I guess something or someone or whatever. Well, and listen, if you listen to the music being played behind it, dude, simple at its best. <laughs> I mean, well, the Stones are always simple, yeah, right? There's yeah. it's more with the Stones <laughs> often it's more about the space than the actual yeah. sound. It's amazing. Right? It's the timing. It's the, the it's that they they they've all got that kind of it's almost a, especially Charlie Watts it's a very yep. jazzy kind of yep. feeling. Right? You know. Amazing. And Keith just hitting a few chords every now and then. Right. Just, every once and, in a while. Yeah, yeah. And he plays he plays mostly, I think, open tunings. So you'll see him where he's like not even putting his hand on the guitar and just strumming, <laughs> boom, 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 boom. And he, boom. And he, he plays on a neck a lot. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I, I could just visualize it. It's it's so much fun. And then you think about right that whole song. Charlie Watts is just hanging out. You know, right. Like just it just boom, boom. He's got boom, that backbeat, right? It's yep, like just it's like just behind and and dude, amazing, amazing, amazing. It's so the good. Best. It's the best. So, like like I was just saying, the bass line, the horns, the drums, they all give this a disco sound. And that kind of alienated a lot of their fine, uh, fans. Because at the time, this is yeah. when people were saying disco sucked. And yeah. they were, where they blow up those records, the disco <laughs> records in Chicago. And yep. like started a riot at the baseball game, wasn't that? Yep. Something yeah, they I did remember. it out in center field. Yeah, yeah right, right. Chicago or Detroit, one of the two. But they but, made a big pile of them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. But the butt side of it is that this song went to the top of the charts. So people loved it because yeah. it was, you know, kind of what was happening in the day. And uh the Stones thought of it more as R&B than disco. And disco really is R&B, right? It's it's not it's just a little bit more dancey than a typical R&B. You know what this allowed people to do? You know what this allowed rockers to do? Cuz I got to tell you, I I know them that there was a lot of closet disco people. Yeah. Because no matter what you think about disco, maybe you don't want to dance. Maybe you don't want to wear a leisure suit. Right. But the music. A leisure suit. <laughs> <laughs> I had one. You should see uh, my high school. I had picture. one too. My mom made them for, for me and my brothers. We all had matching leisure suits, the three of us, three different colors. It was like blue, green, and red, I think. I, it was it be, amazing. It had to be a burgundy in it. It had to be yeah, a burgundy. Yeah, amazing. White shoes. <laughs> pure polyester yeah but, 100% yeah but the disco was you know the music itself was really really good you know that they put yeah together. I'm you know I'm not I'm not I, I I was never a disco sucks kind of guy right I, I like disco. I, I love sure. the Bee Gees disco record. Oh, I love yeah. the Saturday Night Fever. I love, uh, I like Donna, ABBA Donna I like Summer. Donna Summer I like yeah, all that stuff great music great music well, there goes our reputation, Don. I know, down the drain. Leisure suits and Donna Summer. <laughs> <laughs> Let's have a 70s party. Yeah. So Charlie Watts said a lot of the songs like Miss You were heavily influenced by going to the discos. Uh, he said you could hear it in those four on the floor rhythms and the Philadelphia style drumming. 
This guy's so good. Unbelievable. And he said, Mick and I used to go to the discos a lot. It was a great period. I remember being in Munich and coming back from the club with Mick singing one of the village people songs, YMCA, (laughs) I think it was. And he said, Keith went mad, but it sounded great on the dance floor. So I think Keith Richards is really against the disco. (laughs) Well, he is rooted in the black blues. Rooted. I mean, he's deep in. Yeah. You know, if, if he had his way, you know, he'd be playing with Robert Johnson and guys like that. Yeah, yeah. No doubt. So this song was the first single from Some Girls. And um, like I said before, that Jagger took a lead role on the album. Keith Richards had been arrested for drug possession in Toronto the previous year, and it was unclear what his sentence would be. He was facing a maximum of life in prison. And wow. Keith, so Keith had other things to worry about besides making an album. Wow. And so after this was released, the Canadian judge sentenced Richards to continue his addiction treatment and play a, a benefit concert for the blind. And do you know who intervened on Keith Richards' behalf with the Canadian government? Mm, let me see. Uh, Gordon Lightfoot. Jimmy Carter, the president of the United States at the time. So, Jimmy. Yeah. So, for all those people who say Jimmy Carter sucked, he saved the Rolling Stones. Okay. Well, you think about it. He had a brother named Billy. (laughs) That guy was amazing. He knew what it was all about. (laughs) Did you ever see the Billy Beer? Billy Beer, sure. Yeah. Yeah. It was amazing. The president's brother makes a beer. Right at the right time. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, beautiful. So um, this track came together. uh, Mick Jagger was working with none other than Billy Preston, saver of rock bands. Uh, (laughs) So uh. they were touring uh, Europe in 1976, and uh, Bill Wyman said the idea for those bass lines came from Billy Preston. So they had cut a rough demo a year or so earlier after a recording session, Bill Wyman had already gone home and uh, Billy Preston picked up his old bass and started running through that song. He started doing the the bass riff that you hear in the song pretty much. He started doing it a bit because it seemed to be the style of his left hand. So when they finally came to do the tune, they said, why don't you, you know, the guys in the stone said, why don't you run around, work around the idea that Billy had? So Bill Wyman listened to uh, Billy Preston's bass line you know, the basic run, and then he took it from there and, and changed it up a little bit and polished it. But he said the basic idea for this baseline was uh, Billy Preston's. He's a talented cat, Billy Preston. Yeah, it's crazy. And, you know, we, we talked about him with the Beatles and everything like that. But uh, it's it's amazing that he was such an influence on so many of these uh, rock bands yeah. in a time when he, you know, he was an R&B, right? He was, uh, I guess Billy Preston was like an R&B guy at that point, right? Yeah, like Soul. Yeah. Soul, like, right. Yeah, I guess that's, yeah, that's probably take, better. Take it back to like, you know, the church kind of a, that's where he grew up in the church. Right, right. His music, yeah. Interesting. All right. Let's, uh, All right. let's move forward. Another great track. Actually, this may be my favorite song on the whole album. Uh, I love it. It's When the Whip Comes Down. Uh. <laughs>
guys. So this song is about a gay prostitute who works the streets of New York. Wow. And this is, kind of, I guess, about the closest that the Stones came to punk rock. That's probably why I'm a huge punk fan, so that's probably yeah. why I like it so much. But to me, this is like just so grungy and dirty, and I love it. Ah, it's um, great. Yeah, and then another song on the album, Shattered, which we'll hear a little bit later on, d- deals with the same kind of issue. It's kind of the seedy side of New York City. And so like I was saying before, you know, anybody who's been to New York recently, Times Square is like a whole different place than it was in 1977, 78. It, back then, it was just porno theater after porno theater and all sorts of bad shit was going down in Times Square. Now, now it's like yeah. Disneyland out there. But Well, that's what they did. They literally, Giuliani was the guy who came in and changed 42nd Street. Yeah, two different worlds. That's what I'm saying. When I grew up, that, that was the time I was going into the city. Yeah. Yeah, it was pure insanity. Hookers everywhere. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there was even that place where you could get the uh, the fake IDs. Was it the oh, Funland right or Playland or something? Dude, on 8th uh, Avenue. <laughs> I right know well. <laughs> yeah. I never got one, but I knew it was there. Oh, they, Friends they had, had gotten them. Yeah. Yeah. And interesting, I was too scared. Think, now that you say that, you know, uh, this was the time when uh, they changed the drinking age to 18. So I didn't right. even have to worry about that right yeah. around that time. Did a lot of damage at 18. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, listen, how great is it in this song, too? How great is it to be Charlie Watts? Just the best. Again, the Just guy is so good. <laughs> Spot on, great sound, right? Everything. And it's not it's not robotic, but he no. never he never misses. Never misses. You never hear a bad drum beat or bad note come out of the drums on the Rolling Stones. I have, I have it, always loved him. Always. It never happens. So uh, Whip Comes Down was uh, written entirely by Mick Jagger. Stone's frontman said, I don't know why I wrote it. Maybe I came out of the closet. <laughs> and he laughed. Ha ha ha. But there were actually rumors back then that Mick Jagger was gay. Wasn't the rumor that Mick Jagger and David Bowie had slept together? Sure. Sure. It was uh, the bisexuals. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if that was ever like Mick, if they ever said it was true or not true or whatever. But that was what people were saying back then. I remember hearing that. And so uh, this song is about an imaginary person who comes from L.A. to New York and then eventually, you know, he becomes a garbage collector. <laughs> Why not? Yeah. It's a steady yeah. job. Yeah. And that, that's right from Mick Jagger said that. So I guess it's true. <laughs> Although who knows, you know. You know? <laughs> you know what I was thinking on this? You know the song Tumbling Dice, right? Yeah. You, uh, yeah I don't know where Jagger started to come up with where you have to really figure out the lyrics. Right. And this is another one of those songs that, you know, every now and then you don't even have an idea of what he just said in a sentence. Tumbling dice, you can't understand the word he says. He goes through the whole song. Right, The only reason I know that was I didn't realize the lyrics till Linda Ronstadt redid it and actually cleared the word. And then you can hear them. (laughs) (laughs) So even in this song, he's like, Oh, yeah, yeah. And you're like, wow, what's what's he saying there? Crazy. (laughs) Mick had his own way. Yeah, for sure. What a great song. All right. So let's jump into the next one. And this one is a cover. Uh, This one is Just My Imagination. Oh, so good. Such a great song. So good.
so this one, the original, I'm sure probably most people know the original is done by The Temptations. Oh, yeah. uh, to me, it's interesting. This song, it's so spot on to the original in terms right. of, you know, Pace, the song. Yeah. But when The Temptations do it to me, it's about the voices, right? The, you right. got these guys who harmonize and are just, you know, they're, they're kind of almost like the Black Beach Boys, right? The Temptations. Yeah. The, the vocals are just amazing. Here, you listen to it and it's it's definitely shifted over to more of a rock song. And I think a lot of it has to do with the guitar. And if you listen to the guitar, not behind the, the chorus part, because then it's just strumming. But if you listen you know, listen to the verse part and listen to the little boop, 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 boop that's happening with the guitar. The notes are popping in here and there. So, you know, I, I hate to say, uh, you know, but I hate to say this, but they made it their own dog. You know, they kind of took a, they yeah, took a classic song that everybody knew and everybody liked, redid it and really kind of didn't take ownership of it. It's not like Johnny Johnny Cash doing uh, Hurt by Nine Inch Nails, right? right? It's it's not that different, but it really, people think of it, a lot of people think of it as a Rolling Stones song. Yeah, they did a great job with it. It's a great song. And the one thing I like a lot about this is you can see, you know, uh, the backing vocals, you know, Keith Richards singing behind Mick on this song is perfect. Yeah. yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Because they have two different ranges completely. Their voices are so different and but they it works together. It's Perfect. it's just yeah, it's, it's a great combination. Yeah, it really is. Great to hear. Yeah. And this song I mean, this song has been covered by a billion different people. It's a very popular song for bands to cover. If you if you look it up, you, there's a list about a mile long of people who have done this song. Um, but again, a great choice and a great cover. And it just goes to show you that, again, the Rolling Stones, you know, love black music. So I, I think the stuff that Mick's saying about, you know, the bad things in the song Some Girls or the whatever the, you know, different phrases are in different songs. I, you know, I can't imagine that he's a, a racist guy, right? Nah. <laughs> you know not... what? I, I, I couldn't I couldn't even think about it. No, nope. it's not even a now... thought. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I think back in those days, everybody was born into it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. I think it was people were like, you know, people would say stuff and, and you know, is more freely said. But, uh, you know, I just think that uh, it, it just shows their respect for the artists who came before them. No you know? doubt. All right. So let's take a listen to the next track, which is the controversial song. And again, this is sleazy, dirty Rolling Stones. <laughs> it's some girls. Yeah. Even the sound of that guitar is like slimy, right? <laughs> Little harmonica. You have a harmonica in there.
That's so good. <laughs> so, so good. Oh my god. Perfect. So it's so crazy. Again, such a simple, simple, mm. simple song. And the guitar is just like, dan, dan, dan. But then he gets the break and he's like, amazing. Just so good. Ooh, give me chills. Like you said, it's just so good. And you know what? I always think Mick has, he's like an actor, you know, like he, he, he sings in all different roles. He becomes a different Mick on every type of song he does. Yeah. It's kind of amazing. Uh, you know, sometimes he's talking, sometimes he's singing. It's just, he, he's amazing. amazing. Right. He's definitely, you know, he's, he's, he's a guy who's in 120, you know, 200% every song. Yeah. Every effort is, there's no, they, these guys have never like, kind of just like uh, cashed in and, you know, brainlessly did something every song has uh, such effort in it and such creativity and he adapts himself to the song is i think what i'm trying to say is that yeah he could just come out and be mick jagger and i sing right. like this like a steven tyler you know it's just but mick is like he's got all different personas yep vocally yeah and we'll hear that on the next couple songs too especially <laughs> awesome but so song, mick and man. mick and keith wrote this song about the women in their lives mostly groupies and wow. Richard said they called this song Some Girls because they could never remember their names. <laughs> <laughs> well, he couldn't for sure. Again, like, you know, very kind of misogynistic. But, you know, hey, this is the this is what was happening. Ah, oh, dude, this was what the life was. Are you kidding? And you know what? You say misogynistic, but I always say nobody ever twisted these girls' arms to get on the bus with Rolling Stones. Right, right. It was it was not a one way. They weren't being dragged or chained right, or you know, right. you know. It was everybody was a willing participant of all the shenanigans here. I get it. Yep. But these guys were, you know, the the bands in the seventies, especially. You know, you look at the stories about Zeppelin and and all the other bands touring in the mid to late seventies. Everything was excess. The Who, you know, throwing the TVs out the window and <laughs> doing all sorts of other crazy stuff. But uh, yeah. it was just about how crazy could you get? I guess you know, like excess. What a great word. Everything is excess. Yeah, exactly. I live so. It. <laughs> so also, you know, with this again, the lyrics were a huge problem, especially with with certain groups. Uh, you know, uh, Jack, Jesse Jackson got involved and called for a boycott of the song. And uh, he had been actually railing against, quote unquote, sex rock songs since 1976 and had been pushing record companies to become more responsible. Jesse Jackson was very upset and, and he kind of had to settle for a half-hearted apology. Uh <laughs> Yeah, And, you know, the, I think that the offensive line was something that Mick Jagger had ad-libbed during the recording. But once he did it, they were never he was never going to change it. Like he stuck to his guns and, and kept the song the way it was. Sex rock. 
Yeah, but this also <laughs> wasn't the first time the Stones had outraged feminists and other activist groups. So Brown Sugar is another song that nowadays, I don't even know if they're playing that anymore. That's, you know, about uh, slave women and, and all that sort of stuff. And then also Under My Thumb. And so those songs were considered degrading to women. And, you know, quite frankly, they kind of are. <laughs> well. But, you know, this. so it's not something new for the Stones. This is what they've been doing. Good or bad, it's, you know, it's how they were rolling at the time. You know, maybe, you know, if you look at it, maybe they're just pointing out the way the world is. I, I think that's part of it, you know. Uh, I think, you know, maybe they they were kind of like, kind of fuck you. We're, we're the Rolling Stones. We're, this is our edgy lifestyle. If you don't like it, you know, see ya. And by the way, under my thumb. Great song. <laughs> <laughs> All Tommy's favorite songs. <laughs> great song. The whole everything about it. Not the lyrics. I, I can't I am talking musically. It's a great tune. So the other thing is it's not just about black women, okay? So he says French girls want Cartier, Italian girls want cars, American girls want everything in the world. <laughs> English go. girls are so prissy. I can't stand them on the telephone. Uh, <laughs> and then Chinese girls are so gentle. But then he says, I wonder what they're hiding inside their silky sleeves. So uh, this whole song is pretty. <laughs> it would have warnings today, like everything. <laughs> wow. Every now. Did, you know, I guess somebody would be pissed if they're national. What about German girls? <laughs> yeah, right. I didn't mention that. Hey, you left us out. So, um,. The, the Rolling Stones actually consider this song a dirty version of the Beach Boys California Girls. <laughs> that's pretty yeah, funny. That's funny. That's hysterical. I never heard that. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah, the beat, I mean, that California Girls is so squeaky clean, right? Oh, come on. I like that. A filthy version of California Girls. Yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll buy into it. It's okay. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, I get that's it. That's good. But before well, they edited this down, the original song was 24 minutes long. Wow. So there were a lot of Mick Jagger's outrageous ramblings that were cut out. So he was like going off on this. And, you know, <laughs> it, I, I could imagine what, what's on the cutting room floor. I'd love to hear those. Those are like, it must be really like graphic or something. Well, when you got a song going like this, right, it depends on what state of mind you're in. If you're angry or you just got your heart broken or somebody pissed you off, right, you're writing a song like, no wonder it went 24 minutes. He was probably detoxing. You know, <laughs> dumping you it all out. I hate women. Here's why. <laughs> wow. Too funny. That's great. All right. Let's move on. The next track, track number five. And I think, is this the end of first side one? I'm not sure. I forget which, where the break is on this. Um, that's the bad thing about the digital. You don't see the the side one, side two breaks. Exactly. Uh, but this, this song is another great, it's a fast rocker. This one's called Lies.
So, I mean, to me, this is like just classic, you know, Rolling Stones banger, you know, balls to the wall kind of rock and roll. You got all three, uh, Jagger, Richards, and Ronnie Wood are all playing guitar on this song. Um, You know, it's obviously about being fed up about his girlfriend's cheating. So this, this, you know, again, it's a a lot of stuff about women on this record. You know, a song like this, my friend's a guitar player, and he says you could write a million songs with a thing he calls old reliable, and you would know it. It's just boom, boom, banana, boom, 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 right? Yeah, and uh, like I was saying before, a lot of the songs on this record have the same chord progression almost. Oh, it's yeah. three chords, you know, boom, 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 <laughs> quick. Yeah, it's very, very, and, you know, it's not, it's not like, I don't know, it's not like cut and paste, you know, no. but. It's still very, the songs are very similar, I think. Keith Richards, in every interview, just talks about it. There's only so many chords. And right. he, he, he loves the fact, the simplistics. It's his life. It always has been. Yeah. Well, and that comes from the blues stuff, you know, especially the old, old blues stuff. So you, you mentioned Robert Johnson before. If you ever listen sure. to those songs, very simple, right? Very Nothing simple. complicated about them. You know, most of them, it's, you know, it's Robert Johnson on a guitar and that's it, you know? The greatest. So uh, this song was performed during the 1978 tour for the Some Girls album. But then the Stones pretty much dropped this from live set lists after the last date supporting this album. So they really, this isn't a song that got played much after this, uh, this album's tour. But that, too, you have to look at the Rolling Stones. How many songs that they're on their oh. 15th album here? How many, you know, how many songs do they have to play? And you can only play for, what, like three hours top. So, you know, you're going to have to drop something somewhere and you got to have all your hits. You know, when people are paying nowadays three, four hundred dollars to go see the Rolling Stones, you got to hear Satisfaction. You got to hear Sympathy for the Devil. You got to hear, you know, whatever, Miss You or whatever. Well, you think about it. Hot Rocks, you know, came out double uh, two albums Right. That there's, there's a collection of music right there that could be, every song could be played. Yeah, you know, and so that was yeah. halfway through their career. Yeah. So oh, they yeah. had a double album of greatest hits when they were midway in their career. Which That's I just insane. Went, I just went to buy it the other day, and I couldn't find it used. Oh, really? Because, uh, huh. Yeah, I wrote Oh, it's a great album. It's a, a popular albums. album, yeah. Oh, love it. Okay, so let's move on. We're going to go to track number six, and this one is a little country ditty. This is called Far Away Eyes. The best. There's that pedal steel in there. Fantastic. I was driving home early Sunday morning. Bakersfield, listening to gospel music on the colored radio station, and the preacher said, you know, you always have the Lord by your side, and I was so pleased to be informed of this, that I ran 20 red lights in his honor. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Thank you <laughs> I had an arrangement to meet a girl, and I was kind of late. And I thought, by the time I got there, she'd be off. She'd be off with the nearest truck driver she could find. Much to my surprise. 
So, uh, you know, this is obviously country, right? I mean, it doesn't get more country sounding than this. It's brilliant. Yeah. So Mick Mick Jagger said, you know, he's telling this story of driving through Bakersfield on Sunday morning, listening to gospel music, headed to see a girl. This is all (laughs) from just what happened. Like, this is an actual story about what he was doing. Wow. And uh, gospel radio. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. And uh, he had, uh, I didn't know this, but Bakersfield had a big country western scene, Bakersfield, California, and it was led by Buck Owens. Oh. So that that was a big influence on this song because, uh, you know, he was hearing the, and, you know, Mick was listening to gospel programs on Los Angeles radio stations. The legendary Buck Owens. Yes, sir. Oh, yeah. Let me let me tell you something, man. This This is absolutely amazing. You know, but you know what's great about this song? Brings me back. I always get shared memories. When we were blitzed, this was the song to put on because everybody sang, everybody partied. Yeah, it was just it was it was the idea. Great. It's a definite sing along, right? Oh yeah, yeah. You got to be lit up like a Christmas tree. It, uh, it, it helps, but we we always sang it. Me and my buddy, my best friend, we sang yeah. it all the time. Great song to sing along with. Just the best. So this uh, very twangy country song, and uh, it was used as the B-side of Miss You, which is the first album sing- the album's first single and the biggest hit. So, you know, you have Miss You on one side, which is that, you know, 70s disco, and then this twangy country song is the B-side. So that's, that's pretty, it's, it's quite a dichotomy, the way this record it breaks down, oh. right? Well, I, I think that's why when we started out, we were saying how easy this album is to listen to because it takes you on a ride. It takes you all over the place. That's a good man. point. It does. It really, you know, you got some straight ahead rock and roll. You got some dance stuff. You right. got the country. It's, you it's, said punk you, earlier, right? That, yeah, little, you got a little punk edge to so it. think about that. Songs. Every genre and even, um, you know uh r&b with you know it's just my imagination you yep. know it, it takes you everywhere it's genius yeah yeah it's a phenomenal phenomenal record yeah all right so let's move on next song is track mm. number seven this one is respectable uh, love this So yeah, so this one again, it's it's kind of going back to the the image of the Stones as the bad boys. You know, the Beatles were the the 
popular band that all the girls love. The Rolling Stones were the bad boys, right? That was their positioning. Yeah. Yeah. And then there was the drug stuff and all these songs that were, you know, kind of a, a little less acceptable in, you know, polite society. So <laughs> this, this is kind of commentary on how they were now accepted by high society, which previously had shunned them. Sure. So mix set of the track, he was banging out three chords, incredibly loud and electric guitar. He said, it wasn't always a wonderful idea, but it was great fun here. So he said, this is punk meets Chuck Berry. And he said, the lyric doesn't really carry any fantastically deep message, but I think it may have had something to do with Bianca. So I guess his marriage is, you know, kind of falling apart here at this point and with Bianca Jagger. And, you know, I guess he's talking about her getting into there and, you know, being hanging around with all these fancy people. But, you know, Mick was doing it, too. He's hanging around with Andy Warhol and all these guys. And, you know, it's so I don't think it's just her. I think it's it's a little kind of self-reflection from Mick, too. You know, it's funny when we think about it, I really didn't give much thought to the Stones, the writing and behind it. You know, they always say a lot of great music comes from pain. You know, we have no idea how much pain he was in during this right. time, right? But it's a lot about, you know, don't take my wife, don't come back. <laughs> you know? Yeah, right, like exactly. Yeah. So, and, you know, I know yeah, he's Mick Jagger, he sleeps with a million women, but it's still your wife who you love, right? Yeah. So you didn't get into it because you kind of liked her, <laughs> you know? I, you don't marry yeah. somebody because, you, you, you know, you had a good time with them one day, <laughs> Well, there has to be an, an emotional attachment, you know, sure. that, that's the difference between banging a thousand groupies, which don't get me wrong, could be a blast, but you know, you, you can't wait to get them off the bus. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that's where you're feeling, you know, and so it's, it's his feelings coming out and it, again, it makes for a great song. Oh, great song. So Keith Richards actually fought to keep this as an up-tempo song over Mick's objections. So I guess Mick wanted a little bit slower, but Keith loved the pace of it and loved the aggressiveness of it. And, you know, if probably Keith was like, oh, finally, a non-disco song. <laughs> <laughs> hey, rock and roll. What do you know? Yeah. So Keith Richards actually plays a solo in the song. And, uh, you know, you, you listen to the lyrics, it's very clear, but it contains a reference to a visit to the White House by Bianca, Jagger's wife, at the time to meet President Ford's son. Oh, wow. And I think, I don't was it Ford? Oh, maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was Carter. One of the president's kids at that time smoked weed on the roof of the White House with some rock star. I don't know if it was this or... That well, might have been during Jimmy Carter with somebody else. I'm not I just sure. want to know how the hell you get to the roof of the White House. That's I know. <laughs> well, I guess if you're the if you're the president's kid, you go wherever you want. Yeah, right? we, we can't smoke it in here. We <laughs> yeah, we got to go on the roof <laughs> of the White House. Like some snipers not going to take you out. <laughs> there were no snipers on the White House back then. That's new. <laughs> <laughs> right, different lifestyle. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, so Mick wrote this one pretty much by himself. He had the words, the song all laid out the way he wanted it. And then they just started the session to record it. And again, it's, you know, it's just straight ahead, kind of a little punkish edge. Like he said, punk Chuck Berry, you know, it's a very simple straight ahead song. And it's one of those songs, like when the whip comes down, that's just so easy to play. So it's a, it's so a great good. song for bands to play. Great tune. Yeah. 
All right, let's move on to the Keith Richards track. Uh, hold on one second. Here we go. Uh, this one is number eight. It's Before They Make Me Run. So here you, you talked about not really being able to clearly hear the lyrics on some of mix singing. Yeah. Keith is like the king of of the mumble yeah. song, right? But it's it's just fits so well. It's awesome. I love it. Like but the, a lot of times you kind of have to really like listen very closely to understand what he's saying. The mumble song. I like that. <laughs> yeah, just uh, I got to move while it's still fun is one of my favorite lines. Yeah, yeah. I gotta move while it's still fun. Yeah, just wow. I, I get it. This is kind of like a, uh, you know, an autobiography of Keith Richards right there. Well, yeah, yeah. He wrote this about the rock and roll lifestyle that got him in trouble. Oh, so yeah. it's it's it was recorded while he was out on bail after getting caught with heroin, like we talked about in in Toronto, uh, and charged with drug trafficking in in 1977. Um, and so he was eventually found guilty of the lesser charge of heroin possession and sentenced to probation. But it's about like, yeah, his whole life is him like trying to avoid getting arrested. Sure. And everybody's still partying. And he's like, <laughs> here come the cops. I'm out of here. That's why you see his taillights fading, right? And they're still all partying at the house. Booze and pills and parties. Bills, booze and pills and powders, I think it is. <laughs> is it? Yeah, probably, <laughs> right? Because heroin, coke. Could be. We'll have to check out the lyrics. <laughs> so, uh, like like I said, that you know, before with, with Keith, this, Keith's legal issues and everything, Mick really kind of was the driving force on this record. But this song is is it's just all Keith Richards, and you know, it's yeah. maybe one of one of my favorites of of his songs that he sings. You know, every song Keith pretty much done has been a hit. Yeah, it's not. They're a lot. always popular, right? Oh yeah, yeah. I think it's you know the voice pops out at you. Well, in this one, they double tracked his voice to yep. to make it stand out a little bit. And the original title of the song was called "Rotten Roll." <laughs> I don't know where that comes from or how it fits, but that's what they're saying. <laughs> I like it. They should do a song called "Rotten Roll." <laughs> yeah, exactly. I like it. 
so the other thing uh, is that uh, Keith Richards was really good friends with Graham Parsons, who who died in, in 73. And so the bill, the booze and pills and powders, you can choose your medicine. Well, it's another goodbye to another good friend is talking about Graham Parsons, wow. who was in the birds, but died in 1973 at age 26 after taking an overdose of alcohol and morphine. His Ooh. corpse was stolen and then burned in the Mojave Desert. So that's interesting. I didn't. I know nothing about that. No, nor should you. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I now I'm curious as to who did that and why. <laughs> I guess it was in his will. I don't know. Yeah. Wow. Burn me in the Mojave Desert. That's crazy, right? Yeah. I, I didn't listen. I didn't say that for me. So edit that. <laughs> hey, you said to. <laughs> we have it on tape. <laughs> Tape or digital, <laughs> digital <laughs> tape. Tape. That's great. All right. The next track is number nine. Again, a huge, huge hit for the Rolling Stones. One of their most popular songs, uh, and this one is "Beast of Burden." This one is uh, sometimes misunderstood as a put down. So Jagger's not say, you know, this is actually one song from the Stones from the 70s that actually kind of treats women as equals. He's not saying that the woman's a beast of burden. He's saying that he doesn't want to be a beast of burden. Right. You know? Yeah. So uh, that's refreshing <laughs> for a change. <laughs> a little shift. A little shift in his My, attitude. W- w- one out of ten ain't bad. Yeah, right. You gotta yeah. give a guy credit, right? Yeah. Uh, so, so Ron Wood said that uh, this is a song that just came together very naturally in the studio, and uh, you know uh, Keith had his part going. Ron just kind of slid in there, and and they're going at it. You know, those two guys did. They just play so well together. It's amazing. 
Um, he said it it may sound like it was planned, but they really just kind of like fell into it. So it was really kind of very off the cuff when they wrote this song. Which is always great when you're just sitting around jamming and it comes together. Yeah. Best. And, uh, you know, they do that great interaction where they're playing different things, but they always just fit so well together. They just have a natural ability. And Ron Wood said, you know, I don't know where it comes from. There's no plan about it. It just happens. So that that's magical, right? When you get that kind of uh, interaction between two great musicians. It's, it's the best. And, uh, you know, when you, this, this is probably the most played song by the Stones in the history of the Stones. It might be. I'm yeah. looking. I have the songs up here on Spotify, and this one has 361,000 play or 300 no 361 million plays. Yeah, and it's the most played song on this record. So yeah. Yeah. it may be the most played Rolling Ever. Stone song. Yeah. yeah, well, because you know you got to think about it. the The radio play for this song was just oh, it was con- endless, constant, yeah, yeah, constant. yeah. Yep, so yeah, at the hit. time it was huge. Um, I got to give a shout out, if you don't mind, to sure. Bobby Gorman. Growing up, Bobby Gorman used to sing, I've never seen your pizza burning. <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> True story, man. We, we and Cheryl, every time the song comes out, we sing, I've never seen your pizza burning. Now I'm never going to get that out of my head <laughs> ever. Thank you, Tom. You just ruined the song for me. It's locked in Cheryl's Bastard. Head. My pizza burning. <laughs> so you know keith wrote this song mick jagger just basically improvised the lyrics in the studio um and you know again just magic from guys who are super super talented and there aren't many opening acts that could get away with playing a rolling stones song in the set when they play with the stones but guess who did this who somebody opened for the stones and played this song that's interesting. Do you want to take a guess? Or? Well, the only act I know that toured with them, so I would say George Thorogood, but I doubt it was him, no. No, it was not. Actually, yeah. Pearl Jam did. Wow. They play, They opened for the Stones uh, in November 19th, 1997, so you know, relatively recently, in Oakland. Uh, the last night of Four Nights, they did, uh, they were the opener, and, you know, they played Beast of Bird, and they checked with the Stones, they weren't going to play it, I guess they got the okay, and, uh, you know, and they're huge fans of the Stones and of the song, so, you know, they did it out of love, they're not trying to upstage That's them or awesome. anything. Yeah, and they, I've seen them cover other Stones songs before live, they, they do them actually, you know, they're not the Stones, it's a completely different band, it doesn't sound like them, but they do a good job. Uh. Johnny Winter covers the Stones like nobody else, man. Ah, nice. Ah, the best. God. I, I There's a story I always tell everybody. It's a little secret thing that he was, Johnny Winter was the Stones' favorite guy. When they had parties, the music was Johnny Winter. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, that makes sense because they love the blues, oh, right? Oh, they love Johnny. Oh, yeah. my God. All right. Who doesn't? Yeah, great. All right, let's move on to the album Closer. And again, super popular song. This is, again, another one of my favorites of the Stones just all time. Everything uh, about it. Yeah, it's so good. Uh, the lyrics, this song is music. shattered. Yes. Shattered. Shattered. Loving, hoping, sexy dreams are still surviving on the street. 
This one to me is kind of, you know, it, it's kind of new wavy a little bit, right? It, in like a rock way at the beginning, do you mm -hmm. think? Yeah, well, it had a guitar. You like, yeah, it's different. You know, yeah. I, don't, I don't know where I would put it. I mean, when they get to this guitar break that we just heard, that gets right. a little bit more Stones rock and rolly. But at right. the beginning, it's kind of like, you know, it's a little, a little, yeah. it feels a little new wavy to me. Yeah. Um, but the lyrics are a bleak picture of life in New York City at the time. Yep. So uh, the Stones, you know, they somebody said they have a love-hate relationship with the U.S. I think they just love the U.S. But they also are, you know, not afraid to call out stuff that they saw as, you know, bad. So we talked about New York at the time. It was a city filled with crime, drugs, and poverty in, in the late 70s. And the Stones have also taken shots at their home country of England as well. If you hear, listen to the lyrics of Hangfire from uh, Tattoo You. Great is that song. Tattoo You or is that uh, Emotional uh, Rescue? Hangfire. It's a great song. I, I don't know. It's on one of those records, so, yeah. but it's after this. Hangfire um, is a great tune. So uh, Keith came up with the guitar riff and the line Shadoobie, and then Mick <laughs> Jagger wrote the rest. <laughs> uh, dude, some of my favorite lyrics, we didn't get to it, but it's. People dressed in plastic bags, the rest in traction. What kind of fashion? <laughs> no, it's directing traffic. Is that what it is? Yeah. Oh, my God. That's amazing. Go back to your pizzas burning, buddy. Hey, uh, listen, I'm, a, <laughs> I'm one of those guys that sings what I hear. Yeah. E easy as Don't that. you hate that when you figure out that you've been singing the wrong lyrics so for 30, 40 years? People dressed in plastic years. bags. I thought it was traffic. directing traffic. That's, dude, that's even Maybe better. I'm wrong. I don't know. I have to look it up. Dude, that's perfect if it is, because it was probably going on at the time. It might have been, right? The fashion back then was a little weird. Listen, people so, dressed in plastic bags, I get. Yeah, yeah, that kind of makes sense, right? Right after the song was released, they performed it on Saturday Night Live, and it wasn't a great performance because the band was kind of drinking and doing other stuff backstage before they went on. Wow. But uh, it was memorable for Mick Jagger licking Ron Wood on the lips for about five seconds. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so it was just like, you know, it, it, and I, I love that he's going to be like, he's just got to be outrageous. Like, you know, and there's the rumors at the time of him being, you know, gay or bi or whatever with Bowie. And then he goes out on national TV and, you know, licks Ron Wood on the lips. <laughs> Yeah, nobody would lick Keith Richards, so <laughs> that's that's too dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> you never know what's on them lips. Yeah. So that's when amazing. when Jagger sings uh Schmata Schmata Schmata, I can't give it away on Seventh Avenue, this town's been wearing tatters. He's making a reference to the fashion district of New York yep. City, which is on Seventh Avenue. Yep. And the word schmata is an old slang for old worn clothing. I think it's a uh, Yiddish, right? Yes. Yeah, Hebrew. so 
yeah, that that's the you know that's the beauty of New York. You got you know so many different you know Jewish, Italian, everybody's in New York, and so you get a lot of different kind of cultures and different cultural references that become mainstream that were you know from one group in the past. And it's funny, everybody's in New York, but they all have their own section. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like that's not like you blend it in. You got you got the Garment Center, you got Little Italy, you got Chinatown. Sure, yeah. but you know, you you blend. You always oh, blend. you blend. But I'm just saying, <laughs> it's, it's, it's very interesting. So, so that's some girls by the Rolling Stones. Wow, you know what? Such memories, man. Just you know, early album. You know, had it forever. Just, just the best. And again. As I say, put it on, man. Play the whole album. Yeah, this is, you a, did. This is yeah. a great one. And it's 10 right. tracks. It's not super long, but it's so good. Every track is great on this one. And, and so much fun. It really is. It's great stuff. All Honey right. Boy, that was awesome, man. Yeah. Thanks for listening, everybody. You can see us on YouTube. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Anywhere you can get a podcast, you can find us. Check us out. Subscribe, like, comment. We're always looking for input. We don't want to hear Don sucks. That's not good input. Tommy sucks. That's your okay. input. Yeah, Tommy sucks. That's fine. You know. If you but. want to hear me sing? I've never seen your pizza burning. Just reach out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tommy will be on cameo <laughs> for somebody's birthday. Yeah. I'm twenty nine dollars. All right. Awesome. We'll catch you next All time. Right, Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Have a good day. Yeah.